The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hey, Scott McClellan here. We're on site in beautiful Central Pacific side of Nicaragua for your leadership moment with FX Missions. I'm thankful to be joined today by a friend, Lech Heflin. Good morning, Lech. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good night's sleep. <laughs> this, this time. Yeah, it's... Uh, where we are right now is in, uh, I think, like you said, it was 30 mm-hmm. miles. Laguna. 30 kilometers. 30 kilometers. Yeah. Laguna Apoyo. Laguna Apoyo. Okay. Which is on the Central Pacific side below Manawa, mm-hmm. 30 kilometers south of Manawa. Yeah. And it's a crater lake. So is that is that right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a volcanic caldera. Okay. It's uh, the cleanest water in uh, the nation. Wow, reputed to be. I think that's probably true. Well, it's very refreshing. I can I can testify to that uh-huh. personally. It's, right. it's not a it's not too cold, not too warm, but so beautiful here. It's good to be here. I like I've known you for you know some years now. Yeah, I'm thankful for what you're doing here. It's been good to get to know y'all and 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 what you're up to. If we can take just a minute here, this is a leadership podcast, and I want to make sure folks know you from experience about what you're doing and. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about how you got here. If somebody didn't know Lech Heflin, what what would? How can we help them know Lech a little better? Well, that's kind of scary. <laughs> well, I know you, and I still like you, so it ain't no trouble there. I guess my life is a convergence of many things that seem disconnected till they all came together. Okay, all right. I, I don't think that's really uncommon. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes. We're discouraged by the seeming disconnectedness of parts of our lives, and I don't yeah. think we should be. Okay. Because I think they're all intentional, if, even if not from our side. Gotcha. I gotcha. think they're intentional from God's perspective, mm-hmm. and that He's putting something together. Mm-hmm. And we usually don't know what it is till we get to it. <laughs> well, I can. Some stuff comes to mind on this side of the mic, like I'm tracking with you. So we have ideas along the way, and we get little glimpses. Yeah. But until we come to that place of clarity, whether it's for a long term or for a period of time, we don't know and we don't realize the value of everything we're experiencing that brings us to that place of usefulness. Mm. Not that we can't be useful all along the way. We need to be useful all along the way, but not in in the bigger. Yeah. Purpose. In the ultimate sense of, yeah, of usefulness. Yeah. Right. Right. So I was I was raised in a small town right outside of Fort Worth, Texas, Azle, Texas. Okay. Born in Fort Worth and moved to Azle when I was two. 
<laughs> Rode a pony in the stock show, Fort Worth stock show parade when I was just about to turn three. There's a little, there's a little uh, prophetic element to that picture of that event because I'm right in front of a mission on one of the main, either, either Main Street or Houston Street in downtown Fort Worth with the sign Jesus saves behind it with me on a pony at like a circuit riding preacher. <laughs> so, so there was, there was an element of future. I really get a kick out of that little, that little picture. Mm-hmm. I've it, seen that. It seems like the Lord has a sense of humor, man. And he, he, uh, he's, he's just saying, I'm involved in this thing from the beginning, <laughs> from before the beginning, actually. Yeah. But that's another yeah. subject. <laughs> but I was raised in a, my dad was a home builder. His, okay. his dad was a carpenter and a painter. Okay. His dad was a builder okay. of institutional properties and homes. So I was raised up in a home building business, real estate business. When I was 16, I was listening to my pastor and the small Baptist denomination we were part of talk about his call to the ministry when he was 16 years old. And the question just dropped into my heart, would that be me someday? Almost everyone in ministry in that little group was uh, was bivocational. Okay. So it never crossed my mind that I'll just be a pastor right. or I'll just be a whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It was always, I, I would, if I did this, I would do it alongside other things. Right. So that may have formed my mind to be content with doing one thing alongside another thing all my mm-hmm. life. So later, when God did make it clear, when I was... Uh, 19 years old, that I would preach the gospel and I would minister pastorally and whatnot. Um, it, it had been it had been incubating for a little while mm. and it had been something I'd wondered about. But I also wondered about a lot of things. I think that's normal. Yeah. You know, I thought I'd want to be a teacher maybe or a lawyer or a doctor. I went to school as pre-med to start with, but I forgot to study, so that didn't work out. <laughs> That didn't turn out to be the thing, <laughs> but as it turns out, there's uh, I thought I wondered if I might be involved in government at some point. You know, these little yeah. seeds that get planted in you and they, they come up and you think about them. They just cross your mind. It turns out that all of them meant something because all of those are elements of what we do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor by any means, but we... We care for the sick, so yeah, you know, yeah. we're compassionate toward the sick and we love on them and help them get their needs met. And we pray for them, and sometimes God heals them, and sometimes the doctors get them well, yeah, and sometimes we just help see them through a hard time, yeah. And and uh, and uh, I've actually written some legal documents in my in my life, so I got to do the lawyer thing, even though I, you know, and it was illegal. I mean, I, I served as the mayor of my hometown for a little while, right? Right, so um. And so I've written, written contracts, things like that, in my real estate business, and all these things folded together. Mm. Well, when I was 22, about, I think I was 22, we were visiting with a cousin of my wife, Cynthia. I had also known him virtually all my life, he and his family, out in West Texas in Crosby. I think we were in Crosby, Texas, where he was living at that time, and still lives today. And he was bemoaning the loss of the family farm, the small family farm in the United States being taken over by large agricultural, industrial agriculture. And and he was bemoaning that because that had been his boyhood. And also, though, for the culture's sake, he saw in that 
culture of salt of the earth, mm. hands in the dirt, people, yeah. something that the nation needed. And it was losing it because they were losing their farms. They were losing also their culture to a degree. The farms being gobbled up by conglomerates or right, whatever right. was impacting the culture in a negative way. Well, yeah, because it was it was removing what he knew was a good, wholesome lifestyle from its right. presence in the culture. And, and as Jesus yeah. would put it, that salt and light influence or that leavening influence mm -hmm. was being diluted. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And now I wasn't agricultural. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that was a seed that planted in me. I tell people my agricultural experience is I rode that pony and when I was <laughs> a little boy, about that same time in my life, I got lost in a cornfield. <laughs> and, then, and then let's see, Cynthia and I had a garden uh, once when we were early married. And uh, that's my agricultural experience. So I'm in Nicaragua leading a sustainable agriculture program. <laughs> you know? But over right. the years, that conversation with Joe come back, came back to me and I, I thought that night, wouldn't it be neat to do something about that someday? Now, why would I think that? Why would I think that? Mm. But it would come up in my mind over the years. It, it, it was often, it would occur to me, something ought to be done about that. Mm. Wouldn't it be neat to have an opportunity to do something about that? What year would you say that was? It was in the early 70s. Okay. Yeah. We're a little ways out from that right yeah. now. Yeah, but like but you're talking just, about that seeds of purpose stuff. Wow. I don't know a lot of farmers. I wasn't in the farming community. I mean, I know people. Yeah, and I could value what he was valuing, right? Observationally, yeah. And I did go to visit with my friends on the cattle ranch in West Texas when I was a boy, you know. And yeah, I had exposure, but I didn't have the life, you know. But, yeah, but I valued those people. Yeah, and so it would come up in my mind, seemingly totally out of context in my mind. So I pastored a church, I started a church, I, I did some things ministerially in that regard, what we think of as ministry, and I uh, had my business, Yeah, and I had my ups and downs in, in that, Yeah, I had one come down around my ears pretty hard one time, <laughs> which, Lord and mercy. you know, yeah. it's not an uncommon experience, but uh, it's tough. Yes, sir. There's a story behind this, I won't go into it, but there's, there's a hymn verse that really carried me through that. Is that right? Uh, written by William Cooper, spelled C-O-W-P-E-R. He was an associate of, of uh, John Newton. He wrote Amazing Grace. Okay. And they wrote the Olney Hymnal, and, and, he, and one of his hymns is uh, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. Yeah. You've heard that expression. Uh -huh. Yeah. His wonders to perform. He oh, plants yeah. his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. And then I, one, I've one, heard that one. And then one verse says, Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy. Mm. And she'll break in blessings on your head. Oh. <laughs> now, there's the wow. story behind the story. Part of the story behind this is William Cooper suffered great, you great bouts of depression. Oh, mercy. he was probably chemically imbalanced, or who knows uh -huh. what. And that's a while back, he, 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 from oh, yeah. a medical standpoint. He, <clears throat> oh yeah, right. There was no medical treatment for that. <clears throat> and and so he had he was in this deep 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 depression. And he decided he'd just kill himself. Mm. So he called a cab, a horse-drawn cab, and said, take me to such and such a bridge. And on the way, a huge, a big fog, English, British uh -huh. you know, fog setting in, and they couldn't find their way. And they wandered around and tried and wandered and 
blinded by the fog. He finally, in exasperation, said, just stop. And he got out of the cab at his own front door. Unbeknownst to him. <laughs> he was back where they picked he, him up. And he was a marvelous poet. And so oh. he went in and this came out in poetry. God moved in a mysterious way. So, oh, wow. so anyway, during those downtimes, that verse, I had it on my mirror in the mm. bathroom. And it carried me. Because mm. I believe that. Yeah. I'm thankful that nothing is out of out of God's charge. You know, nothing's yeah. out from under his yeah. ultimate rule and control. And, yeah. and if it can't be redeemed for good, he doesn't let it happen. Mm. And that seems that's that sounds sounds unimaginable, but it's it's true, nevertheless. Mm. Not that I've experienced wow. anything compared yeah, to other right. people's, but but yeah. I, I believe that's true. One time I was in a low, low time and I, I brought a message to the church one morning. It said sometimes there's only two things I know. One is God's in charge. And the second thing is he's good, whether I see it or not. Yeah. And I believe that. Yeah. Well, that helps you, you know, when you hit hard times. Yeah, or when your limit, you, your vision's limited, and you, you know. Yeah, or when yeah. you don't see enough, you know, he sees it. Yeah. And you don't see enough. Yeah. If you wait till you see enough to do anything, you won't never do anything. <laughs> if you think you see enough, you're deceiving yourself. Right. And you probably should wait till you know you don't see before you do anything. <laughs> But then again, but then again, go for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you'll 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 hit some things and miss some things. Yeah, and you and you, <clears throat> I think it, as you mature, you know, in life, you your dependence, the level of dependence that you've always had, is highlighted to you right. a little bit more. You right. know what I'm saying? Because right. you, I know it's been true in my life. The level of self assurance that I've had. That I started out with, I, I don't think I got most of that left. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's uh, that's the self assurance piece gets replaced. I think in our in our walk with the Lord and our faith, and we have a sense of uh, dependence that I, I think is healthy. Well, the self assurance, self assurance won't carry you except so far, right? Because you're going to run up against the limits of that. Mm. But self assurance is rooted in assurance in Him will right. carry you. Okay. Because you yeah. know when you can't see, he can still see. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And when you don't know, he still knows. Mm. If we're at all honest with ourselves, we don't know most of the time. Yeah. We know yeah. a little bit. Right. Apparently, that's enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we can take responsibility for what we know. Yeah. And he can take responsibility for what we don't he know. He has to. Yeah. I remind him of his responsibility <laughs> on a regular basis. I said, Lord, I'm pretty clear. You sent us down here to do this. Yeah. And uh, we're stuck and you're responsible for this. Yeah. And he doesn't mind me talking to him like that. <laughs> that sounds like uh, talk among friends to me. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys are here. You've been in Nicaragua. Almost seven years. Yeah. Almost seven years. Uh-huh. You were, you've had a, a decorated history in life. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff. You were mayor in your community, as you mentioned. You you were in a home building business for for you know all my life, all your life. Yeah. And for you and your wife to be here at your season in life, I would think that that's a little bit rare in terms of the peer group or the people that you know. I want to applaud that because I think you started here seven years ago, 
And it wasn't like it was your first thing to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I appreciate that very much. And your your courage to keep following. Obviously, the Lord made it clear to you. Yeah. Clear enough, you could get started, yeah, as you right, say. Right. What is the specific thing what that you doing? guys are doing here? We're a, a development program. We're, okay. not, we're not a mercy ministry, although we do acts of mercy, of course. Sure, you know? sure. I tell people, a missionary is a Christian living in another place. Okay. This is the stuff we're supposed to be doing wherever we live. Yeah. You know, yeah. our whole life is one thing. Right. It's not pockets of things right. thrown together. Yeah. My friend Dennis Peacock says our life is a seamless garment. Mm. Everything is woven together. Everything fits, one thing fits into another. Mm. There's not a life of ministry and a life of business. Yes. There's sir. a life of life. Yeah. And it's all in, it's all inter, intermingled there's a personal mm-hmm. life, et cetera, all that yeah I, i'm a fan of that and i haven't heard it put just that way but i know for me personally early on you know i mean i'm i'm in the middle somewhere wherever that is from an age standpoint i knew early on that i wanted my life to be one life jesus know? said you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world he didn't say go be that you are that <laughs> okay Okay. Okay. That's what you are. Yeah. Now there's a way to to do that well right. and not do it well. He talked right. about that too. Right. <clears throat> but you are that. That is your. He has made you that. Mm. So that should touch everything you do. Yeah. That's what you are. Right. I'm a Texan. I tried to get rid of this draw once upon a time, and then happened. <laughs> okay. That's what I am. So in, sounds like home to me, Larry. Well, by the way. So 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 uh, right. You know. Yeah. Whatever anybody wants to think of that. Right. Some people that makes me sound ignorant. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I don't really care what they think about that. <laughs> so as most Texans don't. So, yeah, that's, so, that, that's so, true. But but that's me. Okay, yeah. well, I'm salt and light. Mm. So I, I was to be that where I was in Texas. I'm to be that where I am mm. here. Yeah. Okay, so anyway. Yeah. So what we do is, uh, well, let me say, I was kind of in between. God pulled me out of pastoral ministry for a time so he could teach me something more deeply that I already knew in my head. And that was what we're saying. That yeah. All of life is all of life, and it's all ministry, and it's all productivity, et cetera. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so, but I needed to learn it on a deeper level, and I needed to be separated from that, quote, ministerial thing yeah. in order to get a clearer perspective of the reality of what I've been telling other people and telling myself for a while. Yeah. I didn't know when he did that, pulled me out of that, that was going to be about a 15-year hiatus on that type of thing. And it mm. really, you know, I might have balked at it yeah. if I had known that. I don't know if I would have, but I might have yeah. because it's sure longer than I thought. Anyway, yeah. so so all this time he's massaging my perspective. He begins to kind of let me know that he's going to turn that loose again a little in some way. Yeah. Okay. And, and so in the meantime, I've met a, a good friend at a new church I was attending named Byron Easterling. He uh, said, Leck, I've got something the Lord has shown me for Nicaragua. And I've got an opportunity to go down there and share it with some leaders, a group of leaders. You want to go with me? Well, he had worked alongside me and, and counseled me in my mayoral endeavors and my city government stuff. Uh-huh. And we had eldered together in a church. So I trusted Byron. I said, yes. That was very unlike me to just say yes. I didn't say, what's it about? I, I just said, yes. But I'm not a world traveler. It's not the thing I had done. But I, anyway, I said, let's go. So I came with him and a few other guys. And uh, as this vision unfolded, he said, 
he had been incubating this in his own heart for about three years. He told these guys, he said, I believe God has put on my heart that he really wants to restore the culture and economy of Nicaragua. And he wants to do it in large part through small farms and small businesses. And he wants the church to catalyze and empower that process. Mm. Well, that rang my bell. Well, but now listen, remember the conversation in West Texas when I was about 22 years oh, old? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The loss of the small family farm. And wouldn't it be neat to do something about that someday? Now, all of a sudden, I'm hearing a word about God restoring a nation through the reinvigoration of small family farms in the second poorest nation in this hemisphere, in the nation, in the country that used to be called the breadbasket of Central America, yes. but now is devastated and barren. Yeah. And I'm all kinds of bells and flags and <laughs> stirrings and stuff. Wow. And I'm looking for my next assignment anyway. So I sat by the pool at the hotel and I said, you know, Lord, if you wanted me to do this, for the rest of my life, I'd do this. And he took me up on it, or I took him <laughs> up on it. Somebody to, took somebody yeah. up on it. Yeah. Wow. So, so it became my, it fell my lot to lead the conversation to say, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. Are, are we going to hear it and say it's nice and put it away and see if God ever does something? Or are we going to say, do you want us to take part in it? And so, so we had uh, that conversation with the Lord, and we had the conversation with one another, about 30 people. 29 or so, I think, over a few sessions and developed a little plan. And so, in the fleshing out of it, the testing of it, the modeling of it, and now the fleshing out, we oversee a, a small farm sustainable agriculture program in Nicaragua. We have an agronomist who has great capacity to train people. He's a Nicaraguan. Uh-huh. He's done this for years. Yeah in one form or another and our hearts are aligned our, our our values are aligned and ernesto martinez is a gift from heaven wow just amazing we came down here not knowing what we were going to do just that we were going to do it some way <laughs> and, and and so by doing that god provided the helpers that we needed because we didn't have the capacity right you know, yeah you yourself weren't an agronomist or a farmer or Lost in a yeah. cornfield. That's yeah. my claim to fame yeah. in agriculture. <laughs> so, well, but that catalyzer piece, I think what Byron was saying and the word he used, uh-huh. I don't think was random. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. saying, hey, the Lord wants the church. You know, I'm yeah. you know, pointing at you right now yeah. to catalyze this situation, right. you know, and right. I think that definitely is a role that you took initially there and continue to take to kind of synchronize up a variety of efforts and parties on different different countries, different places, mm-hmm. different emphases, and let's get this started. Yeah. So we work with uh, poor, small farmers. Okay. Not that farmers are small, but their farms are small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, and, and uh, we work with about 100 families now. We, we moved here seven years ago. We got started in earnest a little over four years ago. Yeah. Five years ago, probably. Yeah. I think it's five years is August. Okay. Like okay. When we first started training anybody. Right. And we've just uh, graduated five new technicians. Okay. That we trained up ourselves. Ernesto did. Yeah. They went through our two-year sustainable ag program. We yeah. worked with them on their farms and projects, and their leadership quality people. So we we recruited them. Yeah. So we could train our own people instead of bringing in experts 
who's want to butt heads with our other expert yeah. to prove he's yeah. the top dog. We don't want to have to mess with all that stuff. <laughs> so we just wanted to replicate Ernesto. Yeah. Uh, I call yeah. it my replicate Ernesto program. <laughs> and so far, I'm really hopeful about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we got five guys that are just, man, wow. bring the crop. They're going to be wonderful. You know, you kind of got fully in here and uh, invest in yourself and cultivate and manage and steward and other investment. I know the Lord's added to you this entire time. I'm thankful to see what you're doing, man. I think it, it honors the Lord, and I, I feel that, and I want to say that. Mm -hmm. You know, in the midst of getting dirty fingernails along the way as we're doing our thing, you know, we, we're working through it. Sometimes it feels a real mundane. It, it feels like normal and, you know, with struggles and everything like that. But the Lord's being honored. That brings him pleasure. So thank you for Thank you for what you guys are doing. A lot of what we talk about on this program is, is leadership. You've been, uh, I guess, in my case, I was a leader long before I, I was ready to be. You were a leader young, you know, early in life. You, mm -hmm. You're a pastor in early in life. You had mayor, mayoral responsibilities as well. You were mayor in Azel for a couple of go-rounds. Mm -hmm. You spent time as an initiator. You know what I'm saying? You heard and responded and looked around for other people who were supposed to be involved in that effort. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see if you'd tell us a little bit about just some things about leadership that you feel like are central to discharging responsibility well. I mean, to me, leadership is about action, the combination of responsibility and action. You know, we've all seen leadership. We didn't particularly uh, think was doing was right. going into plus column right. you know and i've done my share of that hopefully i don't have to do a lot more than of the of the mm. kind that ain't too good what what would come to mind for you at, in when it comes to leadership conceptually and also practically what would you like to say about leadership and some things folks who are listening could benefit from well, of course, many people have said this, but it's absolutely true. And if, if somebody doesn't realize this is really important, they need to. Yeah. You have absolutely no business leading anybody till you know how to follow somebody. Mm. Mm. And you, you should always be a follower. Mm. If your ego can only put you in front, please go lead somewhere else. <laughs> Let's let that happen. I don't have to look at it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because we don't want to have to deal with you. We've got stuff to do. <laughs> oh, Lord. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Okay. I know that guy, and I have been that guy. <laughs> I ain't laughing because I ain't been him okay. either. I mean, I, okay. yeah. Good leadership has a vertical quality and has a horizontal quality. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. In other words, there comes a time when somebody has to be in charge and they have to lay it down and we have to do it. Yeah. They're not time to fiddle around, discuss, and meditate on it. It's time to act. Right. Okay. You've okay. got to have a vertical structure. Some people only see a vertical structure. But a, by horizontal, I mean, you have to have a high degree of mutuality so you have mutual respect for one another. Uh -huh. And really, that enables that, hor that vertical to operate when it needs to. And also enables that vertical to be more informed during times that are not quite so intense, if you know what I mean. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's the illustration of vertical overfocus gone to seed. 
Okay. okay. Gone to seed. Gone to seed. I know that phrase. Okay. Yeah. Most fun I ever had in a football game was on the, we called it the B team at the time. It was the non varsity yeah. football uh-huh. team at Asian High School. I was a sophomore, I was a quarterback. And it was so rainy and so muddy, they didn't let us play on the main field. We had to play on the practice field. It was, we call it a loblolly. It was just a mud hole. And, and what a blast, man. Of course, it helps that we won. Uh, uh, yeah. I actually threw a couple of touchdown passes to a guy named David Broom with a ball that I don't know how anybody was holding that thing. It was sloppy wet, you know. On this one play, I don't remember what it was, of course, but I, I just got clobbered. I mean, the blocking broke down and the defense was in on me. I was buried in the in the grass and the mud. You get up with grass in your teeth. And, mm. and so we had a military-style huddle. It wasn't a circle. It wasn't a whole. It was a line it was, style. It was like the line and the back's behind the line. The line was down, the hands on their knees, and they were all facing me. I'm the quarterback, and I'm yeah. they call it military-style. It's not done much anymore. So I, I get back to the other and I chewed those guys out, man. I said, come on. You got a block for crying out loud. So then I called the play, and we break the huddle and go yeah. to the line. On the way to the line, they all turn to one another and said, don't block. Don't block. Don't block. So guess what happens on this one? Oh, golly, if that <laughs> one, was bad as worse. One more, one more time, facing the mud. Here we go. I get back to the huddle, and I'm scowling, and they're all grinning. <laughs> you can't drive people. Yeah. Now, there has to be a time when you can call the thing and go. Yeah, and right. Left. Yeah. But you can't drive people. They won't let you drive people. They won't let you drive them. Yeah. So you got to go with them. Right. And they've got to go with you. Mm-hmm. So unless you can have a rapport, right. unless you go together, you can't lead anybody. But just because you have a big idea and a lot of personal drive yeah. will not get you there. Mm. Now, you got to have that. Yeah. But that alone will not get you there. And you're talking about that's the vertical piece, right? I mean, when you say vertical. That's a corruption of the vertical. Okay. That's the, the vertical has to be there, part. but that's the, yeah. that's, the, that's the corrupted version of it. Well, right. The, the demanding. Now, if you got enough force behind you and you can put people in their place and you can toss them in the prison and you can right. flog them and all that kind of stuff, you can make that go so far, you know. Right. As some governments do, is you can bribe people and you can make the right. totalitarian thing work to a degree, but eventually it's going to fall apart because it's not God's design. He's not. It's right. Not, he's not. It goes a long way, and, it, and in this fallen world, corrupt yeah. leadership has a lot of power sometimes. But yeah. it, ultimately, it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. Servant leadership is the only thing that's going to work. And that servant leadership is a combination. It's not the absence of the vertical piece. It's the combination of the vertical piece and the horizontal. You can call play, you can initiate it, but if it's just the mechanistic operation that you're focused on, not going to happen. Right. You're a group of people. You have to have your lives invested together. So unless you can invest in other people's lives so that they actually are willing to help invest in yours yeah. as well, and wow. it's a mutual, there's a mutuality, mm-hmm. you're not going to go there. In the scriptures... Paul and Barnabas went through Asia, which we now know is mainly Turkey. Yeah. And they preached in these various places, in these new places that are just now hearing the gospel. And there were some converts, and they went on their way, and they came back through, and they checked on these little churches they had established that didn't right. even have any leadership structure. Right. And they appointed elders in each church. They didn't even appoint a head guy, as far as we know. 
they pointed groups of people. Yeah. So that tells us that in God's leadership design, mutuality is very important. But also, there comes a time when it, when somebody has to say, this is what we need to do. Right. Now, either there's such a degree of mutuality that everybody can recognize that that's the thing, and he's the guy that's got the word at this moment, Yeah. and they follow it, or there's some positional structural thing that lets that take place. Right. And some some meshing of both of those probably. Right. Best yeah. In most cases. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, you can get you can get so horizontal that there's no leadership happening really. Right. At least nothing that can act in a crisis. Right. Okay. Yeah. A friend of mine says you got to have this vertical thing. I mean, or you're not going to be able to play sometimes. Uh-huh. He said, "Can you imagine the NFL with no vertical authority <laughs> structure? <laughs> what would it be? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be interested in watching that. Right, right, you know? right. Uh, or, or playing football or, or any sport like that. But you also have to have the locker room camaraderie. Oh yeah, going where man, this guy, this is his skill. I yeah. know his skill. Yeah, I, re- I think back to Troy Eggman and Ir- Irvin. Yeah, and how they knew each other so well. I was always so amazed the precision of Irvin turns and there's the ball. Mm. Eggman knew what he was going to do. I mean, he was reading the defense right. and all this kind of stuff, and he knew how Michael Irvin was reading that defense too, and he knew he when he was going to break, and the ball was there. It just amazed me. So that's horizontal. Yeah, that's a relational and vertical aspect. working yeah, together. Yeah, right yeah, there. yeah. So you got to have that, right? I think knowing each other is, and that's what you're talking about. It's relational. Those guys knew each other. It's relational. Yeah, not just I got a job, you got a job. Let's get it done. Right. Knowing each other at an intuitive level. I think to me that Jesus sent the twelve, or Paul and Barnabas, or so many examples of that oh, yeah. in Scripture and in history, where the relational aspect of getting something done mm-hmm. was displayed in such incredible glory and splendor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Peter, do you love me? Oh, yeah. what? I mean, the whole wrecking ball. Of yeah, but then the next there. question yeah. was, do you love me? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then the next question was, do you love me? And Peter's getting frustrated. <laughs> Why do you keep right. asking me that? Because I want you to think about the answer, Peter. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to get me right. right. I want us to get down to where we live. Mm. what's real not just what you know you're supposed to say right yeah right. yeah mm-hmm. so you gotta have the horizontal and the vertical I'd right say. yeah for sure well lo- love to me is it's relational peter at that point had messed up the lord was in the process of getting him back from where he was in terms of mistakes and disappointment you know i think peter disappointed himself as much as anybody did oh sure thankfully he learned not to re- that self-reliance yeah. piece was getting worked on there but the love aspect of what we've got to do together, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I mean, we've got the vertical thing you're talking about is what do we have to do together and how do we all line up to get it done? Mm-hmm. The horizontal part of that is the love component that exists between the members, right? Yeah. I mean, between the, the I'm talking about members of a of Christ's body, you know, I'm not talking about like membership of a club or membership of a Rotary or members, you know, I'm talking about we are members of each other. We're different parts of the same body. The overemphasis, like you say, of either one of those is going to be dysfunctional. We can all get together and love each other and not get anything accomplished. And I don't want to get down going down that road because I got Mm -hmm. too much to think about it. Certainly too much to say. 
So we've got the aspect of what is it that we're called to do and how do we do it together? And then how do we maintain a spirit of unity and the bond of peace and the prosecution of what that is? Beautiful, man. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. We're thinking about, okay, we've got different positions and responsibilities and those kind of things in any organization or any group. But uh, I haven't thought about it in the form of a cross, the way you're describing it. Mm -hmm. If we're not careful, we can lean one way or the other so far that it causes dysfunction. That's true in the organization. Mm -hmm. It's also true in relation to the organization and your, let's say, customers. Okay. Or those you're ministering to. Right. Which is customers. Sure. Okay. Yeah. If no matter what kind of organization we've got, if that horizontal element doesn't carry over into the relational thing with the the customer base. Right. You got something like this. You really need me. Yeah. You really need me. What I got to offer. And I come as your expert and your overlord. Oh, wow. And here I'm here to, I'm here to tell you, we're Americans. And we, we looked down from on high, and we saw you in your great need, and we have come to help. Okay. The great man or, has arrived. Or we are Christians. Yes. And we have looked down from on high, and we have seen you in your great need, and we have come to help. And we just happen to be the answer to your problems. <laughs> you know, that's disgusting. Oh, Lord. But I'm telling you, it exists. Oh, mercy. It Lord, exists. help us. Yes. That may have presented a little bit of a caricature, but not yeah. really. No, not. not I've seen then, some exactly it, it exists to that extent with some yeah. people, but then, but it's more subtle with most. But yeah. it's there. Yeah, and we got to really be scared of that. Yeah, we got to be. We got to get away from yeah. that. And so I love the word that Jesus used when he said, "I'm about to leave you." Yeah, but I'm going to send you another comforter. Some versions say helper. Spanish, I think, says consolador. Yeah. The Greek word he used there, parakletos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To call alongside. Right. To come alongside. Right. When you break that word down, it means to come alongside and render aid. Okay. There's the coming up over and approaching from above to render right. aid. Right. And there's coming alongside and render aid. Mm. And Jesus said, get in this yoke with me. Which is on the He was side. a come alongsider. Wow. Okay. Or he comes and says, let me bear your burden. Right. We'll bear it together. I'm not going to bear it for you. Right. We're going to bear it together. In our first discussions with the leaders here and trying to flesh out what is the situation on the ground and what has God given us to offer and what has he put in the people already that we need to not hinder but help it. Flower, mm-hmm. <clears throat> we learned that there's a guy that owns five manzanas of land. Now, manzana is an apple, but it's also a measure of land that right. in Nicaragua, it's 1.75 acres. Yeah. Just a little off of that. He owned it, but he couldn't farm it. He didn't have any money to farm it with. Okay. So why didn't he go to the bank? Well, he didn't go to the bank because if he has a crop failure, the bank takes his land. Mm. So he's stuck in a real hard place. And he's working for a guy that owns one manzana, less than two acres. Of the true story that was told us. Wow. As a typical example in Nicaragua. Okay. So we said, well, we don't want to take that bank's position, but we want to help these people put their land to work. Yeah. Right? Yep. 
So we want to come alongside them. If we make a loan or we do an investment, yeah, really, it's if we invest. We don't want to establish some confiscatory mm-hmm. scenario like the bank has. We want to give room to fail and room to retry and mm-hmm. to a certain point. We also want to apply the terms of Jesus' parable. Now, there comes a time when you've had another shot and you're just not going to do it, and we take our investment and move it to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So both of those characteristics are built into our mentality and into yeah. our structures as we try to implement this with people. Mm. So we come alongside them. I heard a guy say, this one of those little seeds got just drops in you. you know, Under the mercantile system, the bankers were not only lenders, they were more, not, he didn't use the word partners, but they were, they came along, he didn't say come alongside, but they came alongside the right. business. Yeah. And they offered you accounting services and advisory services, and they helped your business succeed. I didn't know any bankers like that. Now, there are some yeah. that try to follow that model to some degree, but uh, I just parked that and I said, I might need that someday. You know, mm-hmm. God just get your attention. When he does, you better hang on to that. Yeah, market. So that and the farm thing, when I was talking to Joe in West Texas, those two things came together. I said, well, this, these two need to be a part of this thing we're going to do. Here. Mm. They're coming alongside the paracletos principle yeah. Yeah. to come alongside and render aid. Let me, let me partner with you. Mm. I want whatever we do to, to give people dignity. They already have dignity, so that's not quite I want to say. Yeah. I want to recognize you want to reinforce. the dignity of the person. Yeah. I want to reinforce it. And I want it to blossom in their mentality. Yeah. So one guy said, well, you know, you're going to have to tell them what to plant. And I said, no, we'll get, we'll show them what some of the alternatives are. We'll, yeah. we'll give them thoughts about what might be most profitable and so forth and so on. And we'll, we'll say, we think you're most capable and your land will do this. Yeah. But they got to make that final decision and they've got to be free to fail because there's no dignity where there's no freedom to fail, but there's no dignity where, if you fail, you're kicked to the curb either. Right. Both are in that. Now, there comes a time of separation, but sure. I'm not talking yeah. about that. Right, right. And so right. human dignity is a big deal. Yeah. We bear God's image. Mm. Mm. Every poor man, woman, child bears the image of God. Every scoundrel bears the image of God. Yeah. Every corrupt governor bears the image of God. Every public servant who's got a real heart of service bears the image of God. You know, we all bear his image, so we all have dignity. And we need to, if we don't go into that with a sense of awe and, uh, and uh, that that's a holy thing to be playing, we're going to screw it up. Yeah. Or reinforce indignity or. We're going to mess yeah, it up. Yeah, that's why, yeah, honor all men, especially those of the household, household of faith. Men. And I think that's what you're talking about. To me, we need to get you back on another session, Lex. We're, we're going to do that. And continue this conversation. I told you everything I know, so there's nothing more. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll dig in. No, if you dig too deep, you find out I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> but we can compare the little that we know, and we will okay. do fine. Just the honor all men, especially those of the household of faith, is the scripture that refers to what you're talking about. I think when we come alongside each other, just in that superimposition thing you're talking about, yeah. about like take lording it over. Uh, you know, think about Jesus. Jesus. Lord of heaven and earth mm-hmm. coming alongside. He, yeah, he emptied himself oh. and he said, I'm going to come alongside you. And I'm talking about if, if we can see that for what it is, if we can embrace that for what it is and we can understand it for what it, it truly is, 
then there shouldn't be any of us struggling about not being able to come alongside somebody or anybody as you've done this to the least of those. Yeah. The very least, the ones you consider least valuable. You've done it to me. Yes. And to me, the, the humility, the example of humility that is continually offered to us by the God of heaven and the God of the universe, that to me is inspiring. It just fires my insides to want to be like him. How lovely is our God? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how how uh, wonderful mm-hmm. is our God? And, and I want to thank you guys for what you're doing and, and for coming alongside. You know, we talked a lot about different concepts of leadership or a number here. And I'd love to dig into those some more. But I really want to appreciate you joining us. And, and thanks for your friendship over these years. You and Cynthia, you know, you guys are important to us and what you're doing is it not just what you're doing but as people and kathy and i appreciate your friendship we want to do anything we can to encourage you guys you know keep going yeah and vice versa if somebody wanted to find out more uh continue the conversation on a personal or direct way or they wanted to find out more about what you guys are doing here Mm -hmm. in terms of detail to the agricultural piece or Mm -hmm. the development piece where would we send them? Pontis, P-O-N-T-I-S. Okay, That's Pontis. Latin, Latin word for the bridge. Okay. The idea is we're bridging the kingdom of God into the surrounding culture. That's yes. the idea. Okay. Pontis Nicaragua. Okay. Dot org. Pontis Nicaragua. If you type dot com, it'll take you the same place. Yeah, Pontis Nicaragua. Dot org. Dot org. Okay. And then our Facebook page, Pontus Nicaragua also. Okay. Where you can find a little more regular postings. But some of the details are philosophy right. how we're put together. Yeah. We're doing it's pretty well presented on that uh, webpage. Okay. With Brad Allen of Seattle, uh uh-huh. uh one of Seattle's I forget which city actually, we're right in there. Uh-huh. Uh put that together for us, done a wonderful job. Okay. Now, if somebody wanted to get a message to you, could they do that from the Facebook page yeah, or from either. the other website? Yeah. So let's we'll get that again, and we'll put this or in the show they notes. Want, if they want to write me at uh, uh-huh. Lec, Lec. Dot Heflin, L-E-C-K uh-huh. dot H-E-F-L-I-N, uh-huh. at Pontis Inc., P-O-N-T-I-S-I-N-C dot com. Okay. okay, cool. Well, again, Lec, thanks so much for what you're doing, for your friendship, for, your, for taking time with us here. We've kind of been at the end of a weekend together here in a pro summit. And man, thank God we've all been enriched. I mean, I I feel feel a lot better than when I showed up. (laughs) You know what I I mean? I can testify. I have observed that transformation. (laughs) I look like it too. (laughs) And we'll double back with you and catch you on a future session. Thanks again for being with us. Blessings to you and yours. And I'm Scott McClellan for FX Missions. If you need to contact me or us, Please do so at fxmissions.com. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Missions Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast from the forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. Quite a bit of content out there. We hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest, 
at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured on From the Forefront because of their Forefront missions, experience, or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.